My army is better than theirs. They got Tommy Crawford in 1944. And if they paradox even one more primary, game over. Human sacrifice. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another Pure Fandom Podcast. I'm Brad. And I'm Court. Tonight we'll be discussing the latest episode of Sci-Fi's 12 Monkeys, which aired Monday, May 16th. Before we break down that episode, though, just want to remind everybody to check us out over at purefandom.com. A lot of great writers over there. If there's a show or movie you love, someone over there is probably writing something amazing about it. Also, keep an eye out for our upcoming end-of-season roundtable. Also, I know Court is looking forward to a roundtable she's putting together for the fall upfronts pilot announcements. Court, let the good people know how they can reach us. Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jindev, and he's Brad ZB. Be sure to follow at Pure Fandom as well to keep up to date on the latest articles that have been posted. Also, be sure to follow Pure Fandom on Facebook to let us know what fandoms you're most interested in hearing about or reading about. So this week was episode five, and it was titled Bodies of Water. So last week we had Red Forest, now we've got Bodies of Water. I wonder where that came from. Uh, in the present, Cassie and Jennifer Goins are on the run from the 12 Monkeys, and in 2044, Cole and Ramsey face off against Deacon, and things get bloody, freaky, and a little psychedelic. Also, the Pallid Man is back. Yay. This episode <laughs> This episode was directed by Mar- Mar- Marzi, or... Yeah, Mersey Almas, mm-hmm. and the writing credits went to Kristen Rydell. And I just want to applaud her yes. for writing an Very excellent good. episode. I think this Very was good. my favorite episode of the season so far. I would have to agree with you. A lot of information on this thing. Oh, man. A lot. I'm still confused about some things. But like you said, uh, they'll probably explain more later. They have to because, yeah. you know, we like, need how'd that work? Well, we start out in 2016 where Olivia isn't very happy at the fact that time has been altered. Uh-oh. I think she was like, you know, this isn't the way things are supposed to go. I'm supposed to be in command here, and I'm not. What's up with that? Yeah, the witness has spoken. This is how it's supposed to be. Cole is not supposed to be alive, and neither is Ramsey. What is he happening? Stop it. Exactly. Her, his cycle's finished. Why not? I, it doesn't make any sense. So she goes to see the witness. And we finally get that trip into there. We see we saw the house before. Yeah. We saw the house when Cassie had taken the tea last season. Mm-hmm. But we know, I don't remember too much more about that. I'd really love to go back and watch that episode again now after seeing this one. Me too, because I definitely didn't remember any of this stuff happening. I remember a figure that she saw, but yeah, it's I don't know if she ever made it into the house. So she's been a part of this thing for a while. Mm-hmm. I love the handwriting or the paintings on the wall mm-hmm. of, you know, the answering the questions. A lot of questions. Yeah, that was different. I expected the witness to be a person, but no, it's a haunted house. Well, there's a person there, but who was it is the question. It's the wizard. But that left one of the things, too, that came up. It says, you know, we lived in this house from, 19, from 1957 to 1959. Mm-hmm. Who lived in the house? I don't know. We'll find out, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. It was Madeline Stowe. Everything's Madeline Stowe. Yeah, that's it. That's it was there. (laughs) But no, we have to find out about it. But that was like just one thing that was like stood out versus everything else. Because everything else was answering Olivia's questions. Right. And then, you know, Olivia really wanted to kill Cassie off, but no was the answer repeatedly. Yeah, she is very important. You don't need to know why. Just go do your job. 
and now that she isn't the curator of the cycle, uh, things are really starting to mess with her. Mm-hmm. I you notice that the witness is like, that's fine, we can hang with this. Oh yeah, it's it like, rolled yeah, right with it. This is part of my plan. Just keep on going, Olivia. Having a hard time with that. Yeah, you could tell. Back in 2044, we find out the foreman is looking for Deacon. Uh-oh. And automatically, I thought of Red Foreman from the 70s show. Of course. <laughs> that would be awesome. They need to add him. Ooh, him and Saltai. There you go. Haven't okay. seen. It'd be amazing. Like, he was also amazing in this episode. He's I, so funny with Jones. Oh, he was great in the episode. He's, he's going to be great in all the episodes. Yeah, he's always telling her, stop being an asshole. Right. I love it. <laughs> that was a that was a great part. Did you talk to the other you know Jones about it like this? Uh, yeah, <laughs> as a matter of fact, yeah. His his interaction with her is really going to show more each episode. I think. Oh, for sure. I, I really hope so. Like, don't just have him off on the sidelines like we've talked about already. Right. Well, I think with him being there, he's actually helping push her farther along into what she needs to do. Oh, for sure. Even though she wasn't as key this episode as she has been in the last ones. But back to the foreman and Deacon. One of his guys comes back, you know, the weakest and the smallest and the slowest is the one who survived. I am totally on Team Deacon for shooting the guy. Me too. Like, how did you survive? It's the apocalypse. You can't trust people who are traitors. Yeah. It's like, what did he offer you? And then, of course, he gave himself up. Ramsey, killer of everybody, wasn't happy about that, though. Yeah, he should have been. He should have been cool with that. Like you, you've been a betrayer too, Hashis. Well, I think he's he's had his own reasons. Now he just, you know, they've always seen Deacon as this mass murdering guy who just wants to kill everybody. So, oh, Deacon doesn't want to kill. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he wants to kill. He wants to kill Ramsey. That's for sure. He just yeah, he wants to kill it. Ramsey. He doesn't want to kill everybody. Like he doesn't want to kill Cassie. He doesn't have any problem killing people, but yeah, he'll get the job done basically. One of the favorite parts of this episode, it just cracked me up to no extent, mm-hmm. was Deacon and Cole having their little lover spat in front of Cassie. Oh, totally. And what I really loved about this episode, because before, when we had the splinters, it was like more of a big thing. Everything revolved around the splintering. And this was just totally Cole and Deacon having it out and, mm-hmm. you know, having their little pissing contest to see who was the king. Deacon and his great one line here. Hey, look, it's time, Jesus. Just time, Jesus. <laughs> line it. Well, I won't say line of the night. Jennifer always gets line of the yeah, night. Jennifer but second runner-up to line of the runner night. Runner-up to line of the night goes to Deacon. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't go over well because, you know, they decided Deacon has to go because he does. I was bummed when the plan started to go together mm-hmm. because I'm like, uh... You're, we're really killing Deacon off? I, I didn't think so. He has His role has gotten too big, and it's interesting watching his interplay between Cole and Ramsey. Oh, it has been. I really lo- love the, uh, the, their interactions and how things have been going. And he just brings something really interesting to the table. Like, he, like they, while they're off doing their whole splintering thing, like he's the one that's basically guarding the compound. I mean, you, got, you still have some of the military guys, but not as many anymore. Right, but he he's in command of the compound, like you said. I'm, yeah. Sometimes I wonder what his plans are. He just doesn't have anything else to do, I guess. Right. I totally did not expect him to see it come strolling back into the room all bloodied up, though. Mm-hmm. It 
That was cool. Yeah. That was gross, but cool. Oh, he was just, you know, walking in. I took out the foreman and he wasn't even interested in taking revenge on either of the either uh, Ramsey or Cole. That was hilarious. Which was interesting because, you know, he's like, I understand why you did what you did. It's cool. I admire you for it. I it, That's exactly what I took out of it. I admire you. Thank you for doing it. I don't take you as the wimps that I thought you were before who wouldn't kill anybody. You totally sold me out to the foreman. However, this was my brother's knife. <laughs> so he had to go. Well, we've talked about this a little bit before when... um. Okay, yes, so he was going to go kill Ramsey. But back when he and Cole were fighting, there was no malice to it. Like, they, they were kind of wrestling. They weren't actually trying to kill each other. Right. It was, just a, it was just a big fight. But this time around, I guess they didn't really trust Ram, not Ramsey. They didn't really trust him so much just because he killed that one guy so easily. But, again, he was a traitor, so what do you expect? Well, they haven't really trusted him since he's been there. And I think this is just another thing that he goes like, okay, he's just killing people off now. But Cassie and Jones love him. Because, you know, he's good with the ladies, I guess. He is so good with ladies. How you doing? Basically. So Deacon said that, you know, next time you go back, bring back a bottle of whiskey for me and we'll have a drink and talk about it. That was cool. Which is kind of funny because at the end, he does, Cole does bring back the bottle of whiskey. They're bros now. Hmm? They're bros now. Yeah, I want to see this drinking game that they have when they start going. But that made me wonder, since he grabbed a bottle of whiskey, mm-hmm. is there like a certain um, thing that every time they go back before they return, like they have to stock up on a cu- couple cartons of cigarettes for Jones? I would think so. Because like if you're going to the past, I need you to be able to bring me all this stuff. X, Y, Z, A, B, and C. Bring right. me all the things. Yeah, you should see them with like backpacks. You need to bring, I need uh, 18 cartons of smokes. And, yeah, I need some chocolate and I need this medicine here. I need everything. Some ibuprofen, that would be great. Yeah, won't you bring me a generator and some DVDs, yeah, yeah. TV. <laughs> New car. Let's just do all the things. Yeah, all the stuff. Bring it yeah. all back. So in 2016, Jennifer is coming to terms with everything in her life, and she's gotten on her meds, has a routine, and most importantly, she adopts a tortoise, which is actually named Harry. Oh, that's so cool. It really wasn't named Harry. It was named Harry in the show, but the actual name of the tortoise was Terry, So, which was interesting. I kind of got a kick out of it. She still has a to- the tortoise all these years later. Aw. Yeah, and where did Terry come from? She who he adopted her. She was he was on a sign on the on the uh, telephone pole or something like that. That is hilarious. So did she name him before the show came, or was it in honor of Terry Metalis? Oh no, it wasn't the the actual the the real real life Terry. Um, yeah, the real life turtle. Because I was listening to this, I wanted to say if I podcast. The real-life turtle's name is Terry. Not in honor, honor of him or anything. That just happens to be his name, Terry. That's a great coincidence. <laughs> so they just kind of kept it because, I get, you know, training a turtle or a tortoise is apparently not that easy. Come here, Terry. Yeah. So, Terry I Nicholas. love this scene. This is one of my favorite scenes of the entire episode. Like, sure, it's false. Like, she is has this false confidence. Of course, she's on her meds and she has these friends. None of it's real. Mm-hmm. But like her with her, her whole theme song, it's just so great. And uh, what did I say? It was called um, Love is All Around by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Right. So perfect. Like that is her theme song. I need them to play that every time she enters the room from now on. Yeah, it, it was great. It, she just, she had her thing going. She was, she had everything fine. And then it all went downhill. 
So did you suspect her friends? I sort of did because I figured that the pallid man was watching her last week. <laughs> they just wouldn't let her roam free. Yeah. You know? Well, I expected them to keep an eye on her, but I didn't even put it together for, until for, um, Cassie said who she was. And she said, did you say Cassandra Rayleigh? Cassie Rayleigh? Like, uh, she doesn't know you, Sesta. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Pull fight scene. Yep. Fight, fight club. <laughs> and who wins? Cassie wins. Because why? Deacon taught her a thing or two. Basically. So she decides to, you know, you got to get some information out of Jennifer. So she's got to start flashing back again. And we go to the, the, she has to get her back into seeing things. So, mm-hmm. you know, first thing to do is traumatize her with her mother. No. <laughs> At which point she decides, yep, I'll help you. And rehashing my deepest, darkest secrets will save the collapse of time and space. Why not? Sounds like fun. Hey, Jennifer, cars this way. The Goins family summer home is a long drive. We need snacks. We need snacks. So we get to see Jennifer's bedroom, which is quite fun. Definitely. We find out more about Jennifer and her crazy mom to try to kill her and try to drown her. But Jennifer's bedroom with the with the images and stuff on there, there was a lot of stuff in that background. I, I was kind of pausing and going through some of it. Yeah. There is like a drawing of a gargoyle or something or I don't it was or a bat or something like that. It wasn't a monkey. It was like right when she came in, it was like the second one on the right. Yeah. And they looked at it at one point. And then there's a picture of Jones. Oh. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah, Jones is like way in the corner, and there's a picture of her, and there's a picture of Otter Eye. <laughs> and a couple you of and your big screen TV, Brad. Yeah, I was sitting there watching it. 70-inch TV, you got to do it, you know. And then she had all the information on Slade, which you got to find in the 1970s. Uh-huh. And then, you know, your favorite person in the world shows up. The Pallid Man. And then when Casey threatens to shoot Jennifer in the neck, he goes, yeah, that's not going to happen. She should have totally followed through. I think Jennifer was a little disappointed that she didn't follow through a little I, I bit. I think she was, too. She's like, oh, yes, finally. That would have been an interesting thing, too. She shoots her in the neck. What, what would happen then? Like, be Cassie's like, gotten really badass. Because it's not like they would have done anything with the paradox. No. it would. Yeah, it would already be done. So it would be like, huh, interesting. Yeah. But, of course, we know it doesn't happen because Jennifer's in the future. Well, she didn't know that at the time. Yeah, if, I was like, when did everybody find out that Jennifer's alive in the future? Because we already know, knew that Jones knew, and then um, Cole was visiting her this week. I was like, when did they figure that out? Oh, in the 2044? Yeah. Well, she had already come there once, and they I think that was when Jones went down to talk to her. Yeah, and I remember that, but I couldn't remember her talking to Cole. Well, she, uh, this is the first time that she'd talked to Cole. That's what I thought. And that was a really great seeing them together. Right. That was that was our intro thing, though. We had to go dogs and cats living together. <laughs> nice Ghostbusters. Back at the mansion, Olivia decides that Cassie needs a, some red tea and a red tea bath. Of course. Which is the second time that she has partaken in this tea. Run. Which is the Pallid Man was the first one to give it to her, I believe. I, like Are I there said, mushrooms in that tea? There's some weird time stuff in that tea. It's a red tea. Uh, may need a little honey in it. May it goes mm-hmm. down better. Mm-hmm. We have Jennifer, who actually ends up being taken away uh, by Stacy. <laughs> and here, I'm just doing this one right here. 
Moving right along. Footloose and fancy free. Wow. Ooh, ticky tock up. Me? I'm a lawnmower. Look. You can tell me about the way I walk. Jesus, Jennifer, I thought you were on your meds. I am. I'm a lawnmower. Yeah, that's me on my meds. <laughs> she's crazy even when she's on it. Yeah, although I think she was playing it up a little bit more. But oh, some of that was real. Oh, yeah, a lot of that was real. Some of it was being played up. But yeah, she knocks Stacy out, kicks her a couple times, which is kind of fun. And then we see the word of the witness. Uh-oh, this is different. Now, this is an interesting little map here. I don't... You have to, there's a lot of stuff on this. Mm-hmm. I want this to hang on my wall. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, did you see on the map, the word of the witness, the top right-hand corner was missing? Mm-hmm. Like a really big chunk of it was missing? Yeah, I can't give it all to you right now. Oh, yeah. It's, this is something that goes on over here. I wonder if they had it on the website. Remember last season they had like a timeline to show you where how they were jumping back and forth? They should have had that on the website. They don't have it on the website yet, but okay. it'll get there. Hopefully. There was, you know, names and we had James and Cassie. You see how big Cassie, Cassie has a pretty big section by herself and so does Cole and, and so does Jennifer. And they're like the three prime ones that are near the center. Yeah, because we know that they matter. Every time that they encounter Cole, they're like, oh, we can't kill him. Like, he has a purpose. And now um, you had, uh, God, what's her name? Olivia. Olivia. Olivia talking about we need her. You need to go find her. She's important. Right. And we have the center where everything's coming out from, and they're in the inside of that, which is, or is it going to the center? I'm, I'm not really sure if it's coming in or out. But there was a couple things that I saw on the map that really interest me. There was one that said uh, expected, and it said well, 1957 primary, and I'm not sure who that is. I'm not sure either. Unless that was Kyle Slade, but no, Kyle, uh, actually Kyle Slade, he's on there. His birth is 1939. Interestingly enough, his death is not listed. This is true. Jennifer Goins' death is listed as September 28th, uh, 2044. And, and I wonder how far into the future that is for our Jennifer that Cole just visited. That's uh, 30 years, 2016. So, yeah. No, no, I'm talking about, you know, he visited her in this episode. So how much how much more time does she have? A we already day. know that she's surrounded by her own army, her daughters. But, like, who's going to get to her? Is she going to die of old age or is she going to go out fighting? Um, I believe it was one more day. It was what she had left. One, you said one more day. Yeah, I believe it was uh, okay. September twenty seventh when she when he visited her. Okay. I'm almost positive. Yeah, but that. time it's not written in stone. We we know that. Well, that's the only thing that was written down. Like Kyle Slade wasn't written down. No, I mean that just like with Ramsey. Like Ramsey was supposed to be found dead, but Cole intervened. Right, Ramsey's on the list too. But yeah, there was one thing is it was underneath Kyle Slade on the list that really that caught my eye and I went, oh, that's kind of interesting. It said thirteen twenty two Syria, hmm. and I was like thirteen twenty two. That was uh, are they going to thirteen twenty two? I don't know. I thought that would be kind of cool. That's one big splinter. That would be awesome. They're going to be so sick. Yeah, and they wouldn't know how to speak anything, so that would be interesting. And Cole won't have his whiskey sours. No, no, no. 
I love that Cassie ordered one for him this time. Yeah, that was great. It, well, she knew that he was coming. He got the sign. Give me a whiskey sour. And he was good to go. You remembered my drink from 1944. <laughs> it was like, that wasn't that long ago, dude. Yeah, it was a couple of days ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Sorry. He was just so happy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I was kind of happy with Cassie in this episode. Not just because of her interaction with Cole, but more largely because of her interaction with Jennifer. Like, they, they kind of bonded in this episode. Well, right. And her deciding that she was going to stay and watch after Jennifer. Yeah. Like, they, they helped each other. They saved each other. Exactly. When just not too long ago, she was ready to shoot Jennifer because she needed to die. Right. And, she, like, she's sending Cole on a mission without her just so she can stay back and watch out for Jennifer. Yep. I'm interested to see how this progresses forward. And, yeah, the I, those two working together or acting together were great. I loved it. it was, oh, yeah. yeah. Some of my favorite interactions of maybe the entire series. <laughs> Like, I like this pairing. They're interesting. Oh, I, I yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I was interested, though, when Cassie was in the in the uh, room, I mean, in the house, and she was talking to the witness. Why did the witness look like uh, her burned fiancé, Aaron? Mm-hmm. But look totally different for Olivia. Does this mean that Cassie's ex-fiancé is the witness? I don't know. That's so weird. Or was his face the, burned? I can't remember. Yeah, it was. It okay. had a little burn thing going yeah. on to it. So was he in in some kind of like purgatory or? Uh, well, I was. That was my. Either he's like the witness. I mean, because the house is like the house reminds me. Of, you know those Bloomhouse scary movies. Mm-hmm. Right. It reminds me of like that whole their credits right before the movie starts. Oh yeah, I agree. It's so weird. It's cool, though. But he wouldn't have been able to live in a house for 57 to 59, so it shouldn't have been him. Maybe he traveled. But he wasn't that old. He was only, what was it, Cassie's age, what, 28, 30 or something like that? Yeah, but remember, once they get the serum in their blood, they don't age. Right, but he has never had the serum in his blood because he's never done the traveling yet that we know. That we know of. But my other question was, so maybe this isn't his her ex-fiance. Maybe it's just... The witness appears as a witness appears to the person viewing it. Okay. To someone familiar to you that you trust. Right. Or if you have some kind of trauma going on with it, because she was really pissed at Cole because of how Aaron died. Mm-hmm. Not that it was Cole's fault at all. Right. But yeah, she was really mad about it. But the witness appeared for Cassie. The witness appeared for Olivia. The witness did not appear for the Pallid Man. Mm-hmm. So if the witness appeared for the Powell man, we'd be able to tell who it is, or would it look like, you know, his mother or something? Yeah, I, see, I don't know, but it must have something to do with the fact that he was born of a, um, a messenger. It's his birthright. Yeah. That it is. To be scary. Yes, to be a scary man, that is his birthright, which, you know. Speaking of that, Jennifer, uh, after freeing Cassie by brilliantly sticking her phone on the speaker, internal speakers, she frees Cassie and tracks down Olivia, who tries to pull this uh, mother card with her. Oh, that bitch. I cared for you. I loved you. And then she gets stabby, stabby and pushed into an empty pool. Oh, she totally deserved that. And I'm pretty sure that she broke her neck or her back or something. Oh, yeah. She had to break her spine. It was interesting when the pallid man comes down there and then kicks her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed in you. And that's it. And then he goes to have him some tea. Yeah, he's like, you'll survive. It's and, okay. And that's when he talks to the witness or talks to the walls of the witness and, you know. Writing on the wall. Has his birthright. 
Like you'll do. Yeah. I, I, I like that episode. I mean, it was really good. The One of the funny things about the um, the walls mm-hmm. and, and how the paper was, the the wallpaper was peeling and stuff and the words were going onto it. I mm-hmm. had this flashback to the, the Doctor Who episode, the Weeping Angels. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. When he was doing that, they peeled the paper off the walls and he said, duck. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> you know, they're right behind your run. Don't blink your eyes. Don't blink. So that was that. You got anything else on this one? No, just excellent episode. And um, I kind of, like I said, I just want that to be Jennifer's theme song from now on. I want her and Cassie to go on all the missions together. And Cole can hang out with Ramsey and Deacon. I'm just saying. I'm really And interested. I need Agent Cohn to come back at some point in time soon. Well, I'm sure he will. I'm really interested in the progression of Deacon, though, and what happens with him. <gasps> Maybe he's Agent Cohn's great, great, great grandson. There is no Agent Cohn. That was a different show. I know. You're going to confuse everybody who did not watch that show. I know. <laughs> but he's Cohn to me for life. Okay. Even when he was on Law and Order, he was Cohn. So. And the next episode, it looks like uh, Cole and Ramsey will be traveling to New York City there. Yes. Uh, One of the things about, the, you know, they only had to kill one more uh, one more primary before. Yeah, how many issue. primaries have they killed already? That's the question. Have they killed any more primary? Did they only have to do two or what? what? This doesn't answer my question. Was Jim Morrison murdered by the messengers or what, did he actually die of natural causes? I don't know. Was it him and Jimmy? We're going to find out. But this dude that Cole's about to visit, he's like, he's a serial killer, straight up. That sounds like it is. Yeah. He is not a nice guy, says Jennifer. I guess we're going to have to see what he's doing. He's painting monkeys, too, so. They're all painting monkeys. Yeah. Everybody's monkey painting. Mm -hmm. Everybody was monkey painting. (laughs) Hey, it's the 70s. This is true. If you aren't already there, head on over to purefandom.com and check out some of the other killer articles posted there. We both got a lot of different articles there, and there are tons of awesome writers filling the site up with amazing fandoms. Right, and for more time traveling goodness, you should check out our Legends of Tomorrow recap, or come back next week when we'll be discussing the next episode of 12 Monkeys entitled Immortal. Also, Brad and I are having a ball with all the upfront pilots that are based in time travel. Oh, it's, man. It's insane. Like, there's Timeless, Time After Time, and some other shows. Like, there's this one comedy where they travel back to, like, the colonial days. Did you see that one? And, like, they trade ham. Like, apparently ham is a hot commodity. Right. That was one of the ones I was telling you about. This is Apparently, time travel has become a pandemic on TV. Yeah. Um, I'm it's, like, it's like drunk history, but not. I'm going to watch it because Alan Paley's in it and Leighton Meester. It's the name of the show is called Making History. So it's hilarious. Yeah, there's the time machine is a giant duffel bag, so it should be interesting to say the least. What's the other one that's coming on? It is uh, uh Timeless. I want to see that one. Uh, I think that's on NBC. Well, the other one NBC. it was coming on. It sounds pretty good to me also. Well, Time After Time, isn't that the one with like um is that Dr. Jekyll yeah. or that's with uh yeah, that's the one I was getting ready to talk about. Time After Time is where H.G. Wells chases Jack the Ripper into contemporary New York City. Ah, crazy. So, crazy. yeah. <laughs> right, and Timeless is uh, the NBC one, and it's by Eric Kripke from Supernatural. Woo-hoo! And Sean Ryan, who's behind The Shield, he also 
made um, cone. No, that's different. Hushies, hushies, hushies. But Timeless um, is coming up for next year. And basically, they travel back in time to stop people from changing history. Hmm. So, like I said, it's Time Cop, but it looks really cool. Right. And the Time After Time is based on a 1979 novel-turned-movie and produced by Kevin Williamson, who's been doing The Vampire's Diaries. So, I don't know. See, this one, Time After Time... I, I totally go with the. He's coming to New York City, so what's going to happen? He's going to meet a cop, going to become a team. So it's going to be Lucifer without Lucifer. You can't have Lucifer it's, without. It's going to be Sleepy Holly, a Sleepy Sleepy Hollow. The same concept. Without he's going to meet a cop. He has to meet somebody else to do it with. It's the same trip. Well, that's going to be coming back too. That's going to be well, weird. Uh, okay. Anyhow. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that, so so many time travel shows to talk about. Yay! Yes, there are. There's a lot out there. So. That's right. Check us out. We, we'll have a, one up for Legends of Tomorrow coming up later on this week because it is the season finale of that. If not, we'll check us out next week when we go over 12 Monkeys, the next episode. If you got any thoughts about this episode, let us know in the comments below or hit us up on a Twitter or Facebook page, and then we'll talk to you all later. Yeah, go find your theme song. Hey, look, it's time, Jesus. 